Hello, PolyM fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hey there, Polly M fam. Is this thing on? It's on. Hey there, Polly M fam. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Monsida, and I brought the excitement. I'm <laughs> Bella, and I still have a chest cough. Oh. I don't know. It came out of nowhere. Oh. I do that sometimes. It's a good time. Yeah. So, here we are again, ready to have another discussion. I'm ready to talk my poly off. How about you? <laughs> so much so. Yes. All right. All righty then. Oh, you did British again. I don't try to do British. All righty then. I don't know. The British might be insulted at my British. Maybe. But when you do it, you're like, all righty then. <laughs> is that British or is that Australian? Uh, you know, British. <laughs> I've been listening to a couple Australian podcasts and true if, crime stuff all day. If Ace Ventura was an Australian, he would probably be more like, oh, crikey, mate. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah that would be his tagline. Yeah. Anyway. Welcome back. Now that we've pissed off <laughs> Australia. No. And maybe Britain. Could be. Could be. All right. So we are going to be having a talk your poly off discussion about proving your polyness. Proving your poly. This kind of came out of nowhere the other day. We were sitting around the table and the topic of discussion just came up in life. Yeah. Do you like you do you ever feel pressured? Like we see it in the community groups where you have to kind of like pull out your poly card and be like, I have five partners. I'm a five-star poly person. Right. You know, and there's plenty of times where you feel like you're required to prove how poly you are. Yeah. Or maybe you're not feeling poly enough. I mean, in all the groups that I've been in and all the meetups that I've gone to and, you know, all the interactions in the polyamorous communities that I've been a part of, there's often new people that come in or even some experienced people that don't maybe seem quite quote unquote poly enough. And often it seems like people are trying to figure out how they can show that they're polyamorous enough to be accepted into the gang. Right. Like uh, a single person walks in the door you're like, okay, wait, are they here for us? Or are they just going to the bar? They don't look poly. Or the married couple walks in and you're like, okay, well, clearly that's a monogamous couple. And you're like, wait a minute. Right. How do I tell this crew that I am still part of the crew, even though on the outside it may appear as though I'm not? I mean, you can do what I've done in the past and wear <laughs> some polyamory paraphernalia, like you got a shirt or some buttons or something. Yeah. And that's just a telltale sign when you walk in the door and says, hey... I'm here for you. <laughs> and you. And you. And you. Yeah. And you. And you. And you and you and you. Oh, that was uh. cute. Okay. With that said, 
there are some questions about proving your poly worth. And I think that's kind of what we're going to be flipping around in this conversation yeah. today. So to get this started, we're going to throw out a little disclaimer because we felt that it was kind of important. When we were discussing this in our private conversation, we were noticing some tells or, or just having some conversations. But when we're speaking in to a crowd guys. to you guys, we want to make sure that whatever the message we're trying to get across might actually come across. Right, I can clarify my message all day long with him because he's sitting right here and he's looking at my facial expressions and I can tell when he's confused. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let me clarify. But when we're trying to have this discussion with you, you obviously can't see us. And so we just want to make sure we're understood. So our disclaimer goes like this. We will discuss aspects of polyamory in this episode, which are very situational. The discussions we will be having around these subjects are not judgments, nor are they saying anything is inherently wrong with certain aspects of polyamory. We understand everyone does polyamory their own way, and what works for some may not work for others. Right. We're also not trying to shame or devalue aspects of polyamory and are not critiquing it in a manner other than as if these discussions were to come about as an internal struggle. Our hope is to discuss these points within polyamory where people may have felt these things or worry about these things, and we're hoping to discuss these specific topics in a way which may help some come to terms with their feelings on different aspects around polyamory. Maybe an insecurity or a concern, so it can be used as, as a discussion for you in your life to potentially overcome a hurdle you may currently be experiencing. So the first rule of Polyamory Club is that you always talk about polyamory. All the time. God, you really can't get together with, like, poly friends or a poly meetup or anything without... I mean, obviously, you get together with poly people they are going to talk about poly because that's what you have in common. Right. But it dominates a lot of conversation a lot of the time. Yeah. Especially in the early stages of getting to know people. And this period of time is often where that polyamory litmus test comes in where maybe you and I meet at a meetup mm -hmm. and we're kind of grooving on each other we're having some conversation and maybe I want to know just how polyamorous you are <laughs> so I'm going to be asking questions like oh how many partners do you have or or how long have you been polyamorous or you know things like this right I tend to stick with a, what's your poly story? Yeah. Tell me your poly story. How'd you get into it? And let's go from there. Yeah. Now, while asking these questions isn't bad, it does occasionally cause people to maybe question themselves or worry that maybe they aren't going to give the right answers or if they give an answer that they perceive this person who's asking doesn't want to hear, that their chances of connecting are gone. Yeah, it almost feels like the spotlight is on you and you're sitting at the interrogation table and if you get these answers wrong, you're out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it comes across in some ways. Have you personally ever experienced that spotlight and started questioning your polyamorous life? I think I did in the beginning. Like, I can remember going to a meetup or two 
when I didn't have much experience and so my answers weren't full of fa you know fantastic information for them yeah it was hey I'm new I'm fresh out of a divorce I've had a couple partners they didn't really last long I'm still trying to figure it out right but I'm open to all sorts of connections okay versus now I can be like yeah here's my list of references if you would like to check on my polyness make a polyamory <laughs> resume yeah <laughs> i know that when i first moved to the portland area we were trying to hit up some of the the groups and meetups that you'd see on well meetup.com mm -hmm. or facebook and there was one in particular where my wife and i went to this house where they were having a big discussion and we, we showed up, we were a little late, so that already made me feel awkward. Yeah. And we come in, everyone was warm and friendly and welcoming, and so we came in, and we got there just in time for the conversation to actually start, but everyone was already, like, in their chairs. Mm -hmm. and, and so the introduction was everyone go around in a circle, and kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, you <laughs> state your name rank and serial number and then you <laughs> and then you explain how long you've been poly or something about your poly and there was a good age mix here where there were people in their late 20s all the way up to people in their late 60s or early 70s right and so there was a variety of answers and it seemed like a lot of these people actually already knew each other and i was walking into the lion's den <laughs> with mice tape to me I don't yeah. know you know and it was coming around to me and strangely I sometimes get nervous in public speaking <laughs> and I wanted to maybe make it a little lighthearted because like you know as everyone's aware who listens to the podcast <laughs> I've been doing some form of ethical non-monogamy on and off since I was 18. Mm -hmm. coming into it I was still moderately fresh on some of the lingo and I was still trying to figure certain things out about my life, which would have gone towards ethical non-monogamy versus just flirting or whatever. So yeah. I didn't I didn't really feel like I had the right answer. And so I thought I'd crack a joke. <laughs> and I was like, I've been poly for like 12 minutes. <laughs> that went over like a fart in a car. Oh, no. Yeah, no one liked that. No one thought it was funny. <laughs> and then the rest of the night, I feel like, I was shunned over into the corner. I mean, and this was this was four or five years ago. Yeah. So I already had a lot of ethical non-monogamy under my belt under various different forms. But because I didn't feel good in that spotlight you were talking mm -hmm. about, my attempt to alleviate my anxiety was to crack a joke. And it totally backfired. Well, and you didn't know the vernacular, you know, and... You could be like, yeah, I've, I've been poly since I was 18, but didn't know what it was called. And they'd be like, oh, really? Like, how many partners do you have? Or right. tell me about what dynamics you've had. You could be like, dynamics? Like, what are you talking about? Well, like, and part of the other thing. Know. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was pretty familiar with a lot of that. But yeah, there was still some that I was missing, some language that I was missing. But part of the other situation is, you know, you'd have that person over there that was dating four other people and two of them were at the thing and you know they've got their diagrams and their charts and you know their <laughs> encyclopedia of references and mm -hmm. stuff and we were new to the area 
So at that time, it was just my wife and I dating. Yeah. And we were feeling very monogamous, even though we were fully practicing polyamory. But I didn't have all of these connections that all these other people were having. Yeah. And so that was another added pressure on me making the wise decision to wisecrack. <laughs> I don't know. I think it would have gone over just fine in some of our different meetups. <laughs> well, and I know that when you and I run events, mm -hmm. we try to be understanding that some people are brand new to polyamory. Some people open their relationship up or decided to start being polyamorous a week ago or literally 12 minutes ago. Right. And they need to feel welcomed to some degree mm -hmm. so that they don't get scared and run away screaming. Right. And so you and I do really well at just trying to be chill and being accepting of everybody so that everyone feels welcome in the circle. Well, we try and kind of mingle with everyone too. Right. Even mixing up kind of how the common people who come to all of our events sit, you know, like, ahead of time hey will you make sure and reach out to new faces that you see at the event right and sit with someone new today make a new friend you know right and in some scenarios that doesn't quite happen i understand that one of the big things about the alternate lifestyle communities whether it's polyamory or any of the other ones is that because it's an alternate lifestyle often there's a need to be a little more guarded a little more protected you want to be a bit more mindful of who you let into your existence because right. you never know. Sometimes there are those people that jump into these things because they're cheating and because their wife or their husband or their partner or whatever doesn't know that they're out trying to hook up with someone else. Yeah. So I get that. But with that said, there's also this thing that grows in certain communities mm -hmm. where... Everyone's good just knowing each other. And the new people that come in, maybe their their hosting capabilities have been slightly forgotten because they're comfortable with the crowd that they right. already have. So that's another thing. But that's probably a topic for a another different topic. topic. Yeah, right. so, so we'll jump back to it. I had those two things. It was the being new to polyamory in the area, so not having another partner. Mm -hmm. And then not knowing quite exactly how to explain my situation because they also said keep it as brief as possible right <laughs> and that's not so easy to do sometimes in polyamory yeah and then okay so we have already kind of walked into how you prove your polyamoryness right but let's i mean obviously you don't need to prove shit no yeah it's it's more of like a feeling like an outward pressure that no one's actually saying you need to prove and you know deep inside you don't need to prove but it's this weird unspoken living entity that exists all by itself right <laughs> and it's yes oftentimes it's a part of the ego mm -hmm. and the ego is trying to protect you by giving you ammunition in the battle of whatever <laughs> sometimes though it is also external judgments yeah and it's tough to tell those two apart and it's sometimes well maybe it's not always tough to tell them apart <laughs> so you mentioned your poly resume <laughs> in jest but how about we talk a little bit about that feeling of having to prove your polyamoryness 
And where would you experience that? How would you deal with that? That sort of thing. Well, I know when, like when I talk to new people and I know a lot of community leaders here locally, when they talk to new people, we often advise them, if you're going to jump into a partnership with somebody to do your due diligence and ask around, talk to their previous partners. If you know who they are, you know, everybody wants to know who the narcissists are and who, who's a gaslighter. And they want this whole call out culture on things, which is great. Let, let the abusive people be known. I get it. However, that also puts pressure on the exes and the people who know you in the community to kind of put together this resume and be a professional reference. So it all, I think, comes back to proving, proving that they're a good poly person. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that in situations like that, you definitely have to take your emotional lenses off and try to read the facts or try to read the information through anything that might feel like gossip. Right. Because I know that personally, I've encountered plenty of people who they didn't take the breakup well. So they're perfectly fine slandering the hell out of somebody. Yeah. And you have to be able to kind of take what you need out of the information being given and also pay attention to the signs of potential trash talk. Right. So that you can a little more accurately and a little more objectively learn about somebody. Or just take that chance and just start dating the person. Get your experience on your own. Because I've also had the experience where people are like, oh, be careful with that one. Don't date that one. There's crazy there or whatever. Yeah. And maybe they just had a bad experience and everyone deserves a chance. Totally. But then does that go back to the proving your poly? Like, oh, if you were poly enough, you'd know how to break up well. <laughs> well, and that would be a judgment, right? Like, totally. that would be a way of saying, are you polyamorous enough because you can't handle your emotions? I think that plenty of people who are even polyamorous veterans sometimes have a really hard time handling their emotions. Absolutely. I know, not to say I'm this amazing veteran, but I've been doing it for quite some time. And I absolutely let my emotions get the best of me. And I try really hard to let people know. We've experienced that weird phenomenon of this whole poly celebrity thing in the local community. Yeah. And I remember someone coming to one of our parties and being like, oh my gosh, you're Bella? And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm just Bella. Uh It's just me. And they think we're on this weird little pedestal and we have it all figured out and we know all the things. I mean, I do. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) And it makes me so uncomfortable because I'm like, dude, let me get to know me and you're going to see that I'm still a wreck when it comes to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I think this whole like, you should know how to process your feelings and you should know how to do a breakup well as a gauge of how poly someone is, is so BS. Well, and then on the flip side of that, I think that dating has become more difficult for me. Yeah. Because we do the podcast and because (laughs) we're so present and we run local groups and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I think that people get nervous or intimidated to interact with me. I was going to say that same thing. Wow. I think in general, people are a little intimidated. 
Yeah. I, it was in the, one of the chats yesterday. We have a poly swinger group and there's a chat with it. And I was asking something about flirting or I was having a conversation with people in the chat about that. And one of the girls popped in and was like, oh, Bella, I would totally flirt with you, but you're like the teacher, so I don't. Right. And I was like, oh, shit, that sucks. Right. I don't, I don't want to be in that spot. So then let's flip that around. Like, we can speak on that from our aspect of it, right, our side of this. But let's look at that person saying, well, I, I would totally do this, but I feel that pressure because you apparently or seemingly are so poly and maybe I'm not good enough to flirt with you. And that's one of the ways where you start seeing or recognizing the possibility that you're too worried about the pressure, mm -hmm. right? Maybe that person doesn't feel like they can prove that they're poly enough for you to give them attention. And I think that's one of the issues that sometimes comes up. When do you feel like you need to prove that you're poly or when do people sometimes feel like they need to prove it and why i think anytime someone's really looking to make a connection okay right and that could be anything that could even be making a friend within the community we're so afraid of being judged in general regardless of what it's about that we want to come across as having our shit together yeah. especially in the online community or discussions yeah when do you feel when do you feel like you need to pull out your proverbial resume? When do people usually feel like that? Well, I think that's often on a first date or in the initial conversations online, really just starting to get to know someone and you get your basic questions, you know, getting to know someone like what are your favorite movies and music and blah blah blah. Right. But at some point that conversation always turns to your poly experience. Yeah. Yeah, and in, in that, I've seen and I've read about people who start feeling anxious mm -hmm. that maybe they're not giving enough of the right information. Right. Or I know that there are plenty of people who've practiced poly long enough and dated monogamous or monogamish or experimenting type people, and they're just tired of trying to teach polyamory to people right and so oftentimes if there's someone in the community who's the quote unquote veteran and you really are digging on this person that's when sometimes that pressure mm -hmm. to show how poly you are comes up and and then there's always that fear like a rejection fear yeah on if i don't show that i'm poly enough I'm not going to be able to further this connection. Right. And it can be something even like if maybe I don't have the decades length of time in the community like you do, but look at these four partners I have and we've been going strong for three months now, you know, like yeah. finding a way to show that I know how to poly, even though I don't have this other thing over here. Yeah. And you see that a lot in like in search of ads online where they're like, their whole spiel and in there they'll even say you know really not looking for a new person or not in a position to teach or uh -huh. things like that so it automatically puts the audience on the defensive and they're like all right well how do i tell them they don't need to teach me right that's a perfect example that's a great example 
And then oftentimes someone who there might have been a spark or a connection, mm -hmm. the person reading it might say, oh, I don't know that I can prove that I've got it all. So I'm just not going to respond to the thing. Yeah. And you miss that connection. Right. And there have been times in the past, and I think this goes back to that, I don't know, that our name is well known mm -hmm. in the community where I've had people that I guess have lurked on my page and, and commented on my stuff for months and months and months, didn't think that I would show any interest because I run the groups or because we do the podcast or because of whatever. And so they just don't take that chance. Yeah. And then a meetup happens and there's total instant connection and we're vibing. And as we're talking, and this has happened like twice in the last three or four years, maybe more, but they say, Oh, I say, man, if, if you've liked me this long, how come you never said anything? And then they give that spiel like, oh, I, I didn't think you would. And I didn't think I was good enough. Or, And it's like, you never know until you take that chance. Totally. So what kind of steps could you do or what kind of offering could you give to help someone who might be feeling this? try to learn how to step over this obstacle to achieve their goals a little better. How do I help the new person connect with the veteran without feeling pressured to prove their poly? Someone who feels like they have something to prove to someone else. How, how would you recommend to someone to get over their need to prove themselves? Well, I mean, I would just remind them that most of us are we're thinking about ourselves anyway, most of the time. We're not judging you, you know, and in, from your position, other people's opinions don't matter. So be yourself. Sure, tell them all about your experience. You know, that's a good question and way to get to know someone. But if they don't want to connect with you because of who you are, they probably weren't worth your connection anyway. Okay, that's good. So another aspect of trying to prove your polyamory would be as you're exploring your lifestyle, you're, you're being more open on your Facebook or whatever social media you use, and you are going on dates and you're posting pictures, you're actually really enjoying your polyamorous lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes your family's like, you're going through a swinger phase, are you? <laughs> I mean, have you experienced anything like that? I mean, I haven't really experienced that exactly, uh, but I've definitely heard from my mom, like, you're being safe, right? Is this like a key party thing? <laughs> no, mom. No. We just love. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so I have experienced family members saying, oh, you're just going through a phase or, you know, get all that romper stomper it out now and settle down right and, you know so that also is a thing when you're trying to live a polyamorous lifestyle and encountering family members or co-workers or people in your life who don't understand polyamory mm -hmm. trying to either shame you for being open with your sexuality and your love and all of that or trying to tell you that your clock is ticking right or you know 
where would we go to try to help our family understand that this isn't a phase? That it's not going to run its course in a couple of months and then we're going to be like, damn, we are so dumb. <laughs> now let's do the monogamy thing forever. I think it's just showing them your multiple partners, introducing your partners to the family, bringing them over for holidays and continuing to bring new people over. And you can introduce them to someone new and still have your existing partner. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have to only bring one partner at a time, which makes it look like you're monogamous. Don't try and fake it. Bring your whole thing or your whole polycule over if they're all available. And then my mom, <laughs> who's trying to be really understanding of my life, yeah, would, I think, feel that I'm just trying to shock her. <laughs> yeah, but that's because of your history. You yeah, do maybe. try to shock her on every I don't occasion. try. I just succeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> But then there's, you know, sometimes she'll be like, oh, don't say that or don't do that or you're just doing this to get attention. And, and so there are different aspects of family members trying to say, you're not really going to be successful at this multiple partner thing. Stop it. So when you're encountering these sorts of things or when you're running up against this wall, there's a range of reactions that you're going to get from your family from... Mm -hmm. Full on acceptance to you're dead to me. <laughs> yeah. And that's also not a reflection of you. You know, if I, I understand that family is super important. I don't know what I'd do without my kids in my life. Right. But I also understand that when you grow to be an adult and your parent or your uncle or this extended family member is judging you and criticizing you. And willing to cut you out of their life because of how many people you have in your bed. Right. I'm of the unpopular mindset here that says, do them a favor and cut them out first. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Like, it's no different than friends or people. Like, if they can't accept your business, they don't have to accept your life. They don't have to be in it. It just goes back to, like, you don't have anything to prove. Set your boundaries with them. And if they get shitty and they cross those boundaries, take your action. So if your action was the minute they start harping on me for being Polly, I'm going to leave the room. Yeah. Then follow through on that. Set up your boundaries to protect it. And a lot of times this is something which families struggle with until they're maybe they're more educated. Right. Or... Until they see that this is a serious thing. It's not just, you know, I'm, I'm bringing random stranger number 12 over so <laughs> that we can bang in the garage after you guys fall asleep. Right. It's, it's a real emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And the more that they get to understand that, they may never accept it fully. But the more they are willing to understand that, the easier it's going to be. And if they don't love and care for you enough to try to learn to come to some kind of common ground, mm -hmm. well, reevaluate that relationship. Absolutely. Because you don't have to prove you're polyamorous to any of your family. And they're going to say stuff like, you know, this is never going to work and that sort of thing. I'm just looking out for your best interests. I actually would hope that one of my parents would say, 
this is never going to work because I'm going to be like, you guys are divorced, right? <laughs> I mean, how often does monogamy not work? Right. It's okay. This is life and this is how I want to experience it. Well, and a whole nother episode too is built on what makes it a successful relationship. Yeah. Clearly a monogamous marriage ending in divorce is not the measure of success. Right. You know, I can have a relationship that ends after three months and it still be a successful relationship. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so we've talked about the swinger phase judgments. Yeah. Now let's jump on over to the imposter syndrome. Oh, my buddy. My good old pal there. Oh, you like this one? No. No, I don't. Well, tell me about it. <laughs> That imposter syndrome gets me. It's especially because we're in a position where like people ask us for advice on things. I come back to the like, who am I to give advice just because I have been doing it a certain amount of time? What's that certain amount of time that makes you a good advice giver? You know, what qualifies me to be the one in this advice position here with the podcast? I mean, we're really just talking about stuff that's worked for us and what we've learned through some research, sharing what we've learned, kind of a thing. It's almost like our journey of education that we share with that others. That we're sharing, yeah. right. We're learning along the way as well. You're always learning, for the record. Well, imposter syndrome, it can be defined really as a collection of like feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. So like... With me, people asking for advice, right? It's apparently worked for people. The advice was good advice. I've mm -hmm. had success at this thing, but I feel inadequate. I feel like I'm not good enough to be doing it. They shouldn't be asking me and that stuff. Basically, imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. So how about imposter syndrome in polyamory? Well, that's when you maybe just feel monogamish, maybe because you're new. Maybe you look monogamish, and then you feel like a fraudulent poly person just because you don't have all that poly experience under your belt. You don't have all these poly successes to show around and a badge to flash at people. Okay. So you feel like an imposter, like a fraud. Right. So, and then maybe at times, so this would also apply like, if you haven't dated in a while, maybe you've been focusing on one relationship for an extended point of time, mm -hmm. you're still polyamorous, even though you're only working on one relationship right now. Right. Like and so I... when you go to like a polyamorous event and you're like, well, this is my partner. And they're like, but where's your other partners? And you're, <laughs> right. And, and you're just saying, I, here, this <laughs> one, this, just this one right here. Yeah. And then that might cause some internal triggers to make you feel like an imposter? Is that where we're going here? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, in general, with imposter syndrome, for me, it really comes from a place of being in one relationship. You know, I have one partner, my nesting partner. And when we show up to an event or when I'm, you know, talking to people online, getting to know a new connection, and it's like, oh, tell me all about your partners. Oh, okay, well, my one nesting partner and I do blah, blah, blah. And then it feels like, and nobody's saying it out loud. It's not coming from anywhere other than my own head. 
but it starts to feel like I'm not poly enough. I'm a, a fraud, like the like kind of like the definition. Like I'm just not right. So I'm, I'm an imposter walking through the poly world. You're just you're just there as a tourist, right? Maybe. And I can get that. It's like I said in the example I gave about going into that one discussion group. It was just my wife and I. We were new to the area. Yeah. I didn't have any other partners at the time. So walking into this and seeing this polycule of five people here <laughs> and these people are a part of a nine-person polycule. And then you hear a lot about big polycules or yeah. quads or fully established multiple partner sections or pods. And then you're walking in like I did in that meeting where being new in the area and just having the one partner looking to make connections so I can make friends and maybe explore a relationship, but I wasn't, I didn't have the street cred, right. if it were, to come in and be like, all right, so let me tell you about, like, uh, Lou Bega's mm -hmm. Mambo, Mambo number five, number five. <laughs> right? And he's just naming off all these girls. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Yeah. So... Kind of in that sense. And then I'm feeling a little pressure like, oh, geez, these people are talking about their six other partners. And here I am with my one. Well, that makes me feel like, too, like you almost have to diminish that relationship with that partner and go seek others. Then right. you get on the hunt and you're like, oh, in order to be poly, I have to go find more people. Yeah. So then, then you like, maybe you're not really in a place to date yet, but you're going to, you know push this partner aside, regardless of whatever you're dealing with or working on with that partner, because I have to have another. Right, right. And that's not an uncommon thing. I know that, you know, of the many events that we've hosted, mm -hmm. there have been plenty of couples that come in. And the way they talk or the way they're interacting, it does seem like they're just a couple and they're looking for something or someone a dynamic a person and it might feel like they've never done this sort of thing before right and then after you get to know them over the course of a couple of events or whatever you realize oh they do have other partners they just came together mm -hmm. and when you are in that scenario or even single saw online just recently how a girl had been pretty much monogamous with her husband for a year or so and has decided to start kind of dipping the toes back in and having to explain things over again right. or having to pull out that poly resume for people mm -hmm. or so I think that I think when it feels like you're feeling like an imposter it would be good to remember that you do have successful experiences, mm -hmm. even unsuccessful experiences. You have experience. Right. You've been doing it. In your heart, you know it, and you feel it, and you believe it. And the principles of what polyamory is are always with you, whether seven partners are with you or not. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, I'm monogamous, but I'm single right now. It doesn't being single doesn't make you less monogamous. You just don't have a partner at the moment. Right. You know, that's being, a really good example. Being polyamorous is still who you are if that's your thing. 
still who you are. It's still in your heart. It's part of your identity for a lot of people, regardless of the people you're currently connected to. That's a great example. Even when you're monogamous and you're not in a relationship, it didn't stop you in your monogamy life. Or in your thought process didn't change. You didn't start doubting who you were and your dating style because you're only currently dating yourself. Right. So why would that be any different in a polyamorous or ethical non-monogamous setting? And that's a great thing to remember when you do start feeling this imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. That's very cool. That's a great way of looking at it. So then we're going to go a little bit different and talk about your polycred as someone who's been around a while or even somebody who wants to seem like you mentioned earlier about having your shit together. Yeah. Someone that seems like they want to have their shit together. Like often happens in in-person discussions or online discussions where someone's asking a question and someone might want to seem like they're the greatest thing and they are the best smelling flower in the whole <laughs> garden. And so someone asks a question like, how do you deal with jealousy? And they come along and they're like, I personally never get jealous. Right. Ever. Oh my God. I don't even know how to spell jealous. That's how far away from it I am. <laughs> In my mind, that comes off as also trying to prove your polyamorous mm -hmm. capabilities. If someone asks me, how do you handle jealousy? I might be inclined to, if I don't quite feel jealousy on a regular basis, mm -hmm. I'm still going to listen to their question yeah. and try to help them find an answer. Because that's really what they want, is they want an answer to their question. Mm -hmm. They're not asking you, how well... <laughs> Do you avoid jealousy? Right. They're asking, I sometimes feel jealous. How do I fucking do it? Yeah. And so when you come along, especially online, I see it online, and you come along and you're like, well, I honestly never feel it. I never have. I've never even seen it in print. <laughs> the word jealousy. All that is, like all that shows people is that you're up on a high horse too good for everyone else and you didn't fucking read the question if you don't have an answer for it and you just want to toot your horn move along right well and then there's also the idea that maybe you don't feel jealousy and that's great did you ever have a partner who felt jealousy maybe you could give your view of jealousy mm -hmm. from your perspective of the jealousy that your partner was having. Right. Some right? sort of answer for it. It's almost like having to prove your credentials. Mm -hmm. Having to show that you're so highly evolved that you're super polyamorous. <laughs> right? That, if anything, when I read stuff like that, I read that and I say, not, wow, this person is the icon of polyamory. What I really say is, they don't know how to listen well, mm -hmm. and they're too busy thinking about themselves or trying to market themselves to really interact right. or to really connect. And in that attempt at proving how great you are at your polyamory, what you're doing is showing that you're not quite a good listener, mm -hmm. and you're also kind of fizzling out good conversation. Right. So that's, that's actually a thing I have issue with. 
only because of those things. Yeah. Like, if, if this question or if this doesn't pertain to you, don't come in to show how great you are. Don't put your shit out there and try to convince people it doesn't stink. Right. Or tell me how you got to this point. Yeah. You know? Oh, you're struggling with jealousy? I remember when I was struggling with jealousy, too. This is what I did, and I'm in a much better place now. Right. Cool, you can still toot your horn that way, but at least you've given some, like, good advice in the post. Yeah. Versus just coming along and saying, like, oh, sucks that you struggle, because I don't. Right, and I've seen this in meetups. <laughs> I've seen it in person. And the person who's kind of bragging, a lot of people just give them funny looks and go the other direction. They're like, wow, that fucking guy, right? <laughs> it is another way to try to prove your polyamorous powers that I think we all kind of struggle with at times. Mm -hmm. And that's a great time because, again, there's in a different scenario, someone might be asking about a kink-related thing. Yeah. And someone else might come in who's full experience like a kink wizard <laughs> hates the kink that's being asked about but has a ton of information about it right oh this isn't my thing but i really there's this workshop over here on this thing or right something like that and it's like again the same thing yeah right so it's not just jealousy i'm not talking about jealousy i'm talking about any time where someone's trying to become more educated, that's not the time to prove your polyamory. It's yeah. not the time to prove your prowess. It's a time to help lift someone up. Well, and honestly, in lifting up the person asking the question, those watching are going to see you in a better polyer light. You know what right. I mean? Like, if you can come along and be like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry you're struggling with this jealousy. I remember a time when I blah, 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 here's what I did, here's what worked, here's what didn't, now I'm in a really better place with it. That's going to go a hundred times further at proving your experience because you just shared how you got from point A to point B. Right. Versus just, I'm sitting over here as king of the hill. Right. And I don't know anyone that really likes king of the hill. <laughs> I know a lot of people that can quote it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Is that the damn it, Bobby? Damn it, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> How many times I'll tell you to get out of that shed? <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's, it's not that the attempt here is to shame or diminish anybody. Right. It's providing information. We're trying to help educate so that other people can also become a little more successful at doing these mm -hmm. things. So even in this scenario... We're still trying to help lift people up. Yeah. And if you're listening and, and you and you realize, oh, shit, I've done that. Or I kind of do that on the regular. Oops. This is your chance to be lifted and to start doing things in a way that you feel might actually help put you in the light you want to be in. Right. And maybe that's not a thing. Maybe some people just really enjoy going around doing that. And that's totally cool. You know? Yep. Um, again... No shame. No judgments. You do you. Right. So then we're going to get down to one of my favorite aspects <laughs> of proving your polyness. And I like to call this pokeyamory. <laughs> and not pokey like sex pokey. Right. I mean, that too. But it's more like Pokemon. Yeah. You got to catch them all. 
sometimes, especially people that are new to polyamory that are like, oh, this is amazing. I can do all the things are going to run out and try to date as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And they're going to try to collect partners so that they can be like, look at all of my partners. <laughs> I am the polymon master. <laughs> right. And that's that's great. And if you can manage the relationships with all of these partners, then great on you. If you are not doing so well at managing all of these partners and you're just dating everyone you can date for the sake of dating, mm -hmm. then you're going to have some downfalls because you're not going to treat any of these partners properly. Right. You're not going to be able to give the time, the attention. You're not going to be able to focus on the needs of the relationship. The Pokemon style of polyamory is appealing, mm -hmm. but it often ends up being catastrophic. Well, I mean, for the partners, you end up feeling like, you know, not necessarily a notch on the bedpost, but just another, just another collection piece, you know? Yeah. I remember once dating somebody who had a different girl for every day of the week, and at that moment in life... It very much just felt like I was just a piece of the cog. And sure, our relationship's an individual relationship, but it was all about his harem. Like, it just wasn't, it wasn't a healthy dynamic at the time. And again, agreed upon harems right. are totally cool. But in a scenario like this... It was one-sided, and it was not what was kind of agreed upon and it was it was definitely an interesting learning experience uh -huh. and i didn't like being part of a collection yeah well and then you mentioned being a part of the uh, cog yeah and my initial thought was oh that's great because it takes many pieces to run a machine however you have to have the right pieces mm -hmm. if you want your polyamory machine to function properly it it's like your car. It requires a proper maintenance. It requires to be having the fluids changed and, you know, like check the air in the tires, all of this stuff. You, you change the filters. You want to make sure that you're paying enough attention to the machine that it continues to run properly. Yep. Because if some of those cogs or some of those pistons or whatever it is end up not being maintained properly, they're going to shoot out of the machine and the whole machine is going to break. So wh whatever your your decisions on, and this is not just for pokeamory. This is all of polyamory. <laughs> this is life. This is relationships. This is family. If you're not paying the right attention to the people in your life that you want there. Right. Another part of the whole like pokeamory and the collection bit with the partners. A lot of the times people will say, you know, people aren't need satisfiers. Right? right, but really, you're still getting something from your partner yeah. in some way, right? Where it becomes, I think, problematic in this whole like proving your poly, I'm gonna go seek all the partners I possibly can, is when you're like, oh, okay, perfect, I have my nerdy partner. Now I need my sporty partner. Now I need my musicals partner, and you're you start specifically looking for one category of person. And that person just becomes that category. It's like you've lowered them or diminished them down to just 
you're the sporty one instead of the whole person that they are. Right. And so I think that's where when you often hear like, you know, don't date people as need satisfiers being a negative thing. It's because people have been diminished down to, I only date you to satisfy this one little need that I have. Right. And that's when you start dating a category and not a person. Yeah. Right. So I know that you are more sporty mm -hmm. and the nerdy side of you really has come out a lot since we started dating. Mm -hmm. If I kept you in this category over here where I will indulge in sports stuff with you and with this dynamic with you, these things, but then you're not allowed to get me a comic book on my birthday, you're going to be like, wait, you know, I, 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 sure, I may not be the nerd category one, but I know that you like these things, and I'd still like to get you this thing. Yeah. But now I can't but don't do Don't cross that. your lines into right. your other category. Right. Stay in your category. <laughs> stay in your lane. And you cannot deviate. Yeah. And then so that is going to eventually, for the category person, is going to create this need or the desire. I mean, their needs are not going to be met right. also. I think a lot of this happens when people end up under that pressure, that poly pressure. Uh -huh. I need multiple partners to prove that I'm good and I poly well. So then instead of waiting for connections to happen naturally and just going with the flow and seeing what comes of it, they push and they pressure and they find someone to fill a category because right. there was an open pie spot. Yeah. Well, that's where it comes down to the idea that I may like a person more because they're more gothic or more nerdy but if they want to do something different with me or if I want to show them something that is outside the category that's totally cool and that's where you want to go and that's where my opinion right. where you want to really build off the relationships you know that you share a, a, a mutual love for dark art or bones and taxidermy or whatever <laughs> you have that mutual love now let's build on that we know that that's a good baseline and then let's build on that and then do other things for that other things aside of that right and then see what else we're interested in what else we're doing another aspect of proving your polyness that we could talk about really quick is when you end up encountering someone who it almost feels like a competition right where they know that you're polyamorous and they're like well i'm currently at two partners and i have three play partners and <laughs> a long distance and where are you at what do you got going on how many you got what's your numbers i, mean, I don't know have you ever experienced anything like that i mean i guess once or twice where people have been like yeah i've got you know my nesting partner and then i've got my my regular that i friends with benefits that I see a couple times a week and then I've got that comet partner what are you up to right and then I'm like what how many do you got yeah tell me your thing do I do I beat you in numbers what's right. going on here it feels so gross it's it's a little odd and it's almost like they're looking for approval yeah or they're looking to stand over you and look it's what I have yeah it's just a little weird and and I've experienced it a number of times and I can't always quite put my finger on why it bothers me but in a way it just feels fundamentally wrong like 
Well, like they're trophies. Yeah, I was gonna say they're again broken down or um, reduced to a number. Yeah. This is partner one, two, and three. They don't mean anything besides being my one, two, and threes. Right. You know. I guess that would go towards the collection of the Pokemon. Yeah, stuff. it's dehumanizing, and but it's, they're it, no longer a partner. Right, and it, it just turns into like. Uh, competition. Yeah. Poly competitions. My one versus your one. Okay, cool. Now I have two. Do you have two? Go right. fish. Yeah. <laughs> if you encounter that, if you happen to end up being in that scenario, you know, you could play the game and you guys could stack up your score. Right. Or you could applaud them for doing well and not play the game. <laughs> yeah, bow out gracefully. You know, hey, awesome. Super happy that you're happy. You know, I, I just keep that stuff private to myself. Right. Or whatever. Whatever works for you. Right. I, I generally get a little vague in my answers because if you're looking for that much detail, then I probably just don't need to give it to you. Yeah. Or honestly, just start asking them questions. They'll forget they asked you anything. That's a good technique. <laughs> oh, you've got four partners? Cool. Where'd you meet the latest one? Or if they come off... <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good way Let of turning it back that. around. <laughs> if they come off as super imposing or super in your face then it's also just as easy to say, look, uh, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> I feel bad for your partners that that's what they're there for. Right. Uh, good luck. Kind of depends on your relationship with the person that's comparing with you. Right, right. Anyway. If you can show that you grow relationships in ethical ways, you know, and natural, and you can show the, the strength of relationships versus just... The number. It's the whole quality over quantity. Yeah, definitely. That'll prove your poly much better. Well, and again, you wouldn't need to prove your poly because your poly would be proven itself. Exactly. It's just yeah. there. You don't have to actually work at it. It's just for all to see. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the moral of the story here is to just remember that your relationships and dynamics are between you and your partner. Other people's opinions are really none of your business, and being polyamorous is about what and how you feel, not who you are or aren't dating. Well, and not only is it none of your business, but your existence is also none of their business. Right. And I know that you say that phrase a bit, and it mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Basically, for anyone that might not be catching it, I'm going to over-explain here. Because that's what we do, is we over-communicate in polyamory. <laughs> when Bella says their opinions are none of your business, that doesn't mean mind your own business and, and then shut the fuck up. It means it doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter what they're telling you or judging you or telling others about you. You're going to live your life the way that you want to. Mm -hmm. And you're going to live your life the way that hopefully is best for you. So... I guess, let the haters talk. Well, right? and, and or honestly, good or bad, their opinion of you does not change your life yeah. in any way. You live for you, what's best for you. Like you always say, you're the main character in your own story. Right. Their opinions and thoughts and feelings about you are none of your business because they have no impact on you. Right. Unless as you, much unless as you, you give, give them. Yeah. yeah, unless you give it the power. Yeah. And, and really... Uh, jumping back to the ego episode, don't let the ego stop you from experiencing polyamory the way that you want to experience it because it's your life. And you don't have to run polyamory 
in any of the ways that any of these people say. You don't have to run polyamory in the way that Bella and I talk about nope. it either. You can do it a ton of different ways, and people do. Like mm -hmm. the harem, or unicorn hunting, or triads, or quads, or W's and N's. and yep. I mean, it doesn't matter. Silo, kitchen table, whatever feels right for you and is agreed upon with whichever partners you're involved with, that's your polyamory. Yep. And don't let anybody ever tell you anything different. As long as everyone involved is treating each other right in the way that each person wants to be treated, that's how you polyamory. And you have got nothing to prove when you do it that way. And then it comes down to, like you were talking about with the person that needed to find a new girl for every day of the mm -hmm. week. Or if you're feeling monogamish and you need to prove your poly so you go out to try to find a partner. Right. What I've found, and I think what we all in general find, is the more we search for love, the harder it is to find. Rushing or pushing for relationships doesn't usually go so well anyway, so it's often a good idea to be who you are and let those connections happen naturally. And if they don't, that's okay too. And it just isn't the right time. I have always said, it's not my original saying, but I like it a lot, so I keep with it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you feel like you got a fart, don't push it because you could <laughs> shit your pants. <laughs> and that's the way it is with love. If, if you got to push it, you might end up in shit. Right. Absolutely. It's pretty simple, actually. <laughs> in the end, we have nothing to prove. Be a good person. Be ethical. Don't hurt others intentionally. And make polyamory or ethical non-monogamy of any kind work for you the way you want it to. There's no real one true way. I think that about does it. Sure does. Sure does. So don't forget to check out our show notes for more information on today's episode, as well as find our multiple social media links and our website. Get in touch with us and connect with this beautiful community that we are all a part of by taking part in our many conversations on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to please click follow or subscribe. It totally helps other people find us. It also helps us in this free podcast that we give to you. If you can hit follow or subscribe, it honestly does a whole lot of good for us as producers of the podcast. Yeah, it does. And you can generally find more about us, like you said in the show notes. Mm -hmm. You can also go to our website, ilovepoly.org, and see where we connect elsewhere through that. Yep. Like our Patreon. We've got all sorts of stuff. We and have. our Facebook page. And our new YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, the YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, we're good there. We're yeah, movie stars. We're good. Yeah. All right, Polly M fam, we will see you next Tuesday. Until then, we got shit to prove. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And, and love, love without, without limits. limits.